So we're in John chapter 10. Good chapter. We're going to break it off into three sections of reading. We'll start with uh, 10, 1 through 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. This uh, figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what uh, those things were which he had been saying to them. Uh, it's it's interesting. I like Jesus's parables. I really do. And uh, Jesus at some point was asked, you know, hey, why do you speak in parables? And he's like, because oh, you guys don't get it. And these things are revealed to, you know, those who that God reveals it to. And, and you know, I think it's interesting. But I, I think also it's interesting that he uses parables because uh, it makes sense to certain people, you know. And in this case, this would make a lot of sense. To someone who actually works with sheep or lives around sheep, you know, this, this is stuff that would make sense. Um, I, I personally do not live around sheep or work with sheep, <laughs> so I, I had to go and figure out what what all this stuff meant and dig into it. And of course, the book offered some insight on that as well. To, to an unsaved person, this all sounds like foolishness. Even even scripture states that, and so it's it's. It can be confusing, uh, and I think it's exciting when you really dig into the topic in which he's addressing. Like if he's talking to winekeepers and you dig into what all this wine stuff means, and then all of a sudden it starts to make sense, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and so we get to do that with the shepherd job as well, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we see a few different characters mentioned here, um, a few different key points uh, mentioned here we got a shepherd we got a gate to a sheepfold uh, we have sheep we have thieves and robbers all right um, so uh, in my little lesson thing it's got a question here that I highlighted because I thought it was pertinent it says who do you think are today's thieves and robbers who seek to rob God of his sheep because back then, I mean, with the shepherd, you know, you're in charge of this flock. And you got a couple different kind of shepherds, and that'll be addressed. One actually cares because it's their sheep, and the other one's hired hand, and they care a little less. And, and again, that's going to be something we'll hit a little further into this chapter. And in this sheepfold, sheepfolds were built several different ways. Sometimes you had to go into caves to get to them. Sometimes it was high walls. Uh, sometimes they had a slight roof, you know, and... Yeah, and so you'd have to you'd have to crawl over a different way if you were a thief. You can't just go through the gate because it's it's guarded. So you'd say the school systems would fall under that category of robbers and thieves, is what you're saying. Teachers and past teachers and yeah, uh, that's 
that could be very controversial. In today's day, you know, with the wife who's been a teacher recently, it seems that the teachers, they're given, like, this is what you are going to teach. And if you don't teach it, you're done. So it's like their hands are tied. But it's it's coming, trickling down from government almost. But, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, government can easily become uh, and can easily be thieves and robbers uh, of God's flock. Uh, the school system, the people in charge of the school system can easily be thieves, and, and in some cases they are. Uh, and at the same time, you also have different um, religious leaders that start to take over. Here, drink this Kool-Aid, <laughs> you know, and, and they come in and they rob uh, of God's flock. And I mean, it, it goes on and on. Pop culture, internet, um, the the amount of communication that is coming from every direction. It, it's almost like the the sheepfold's got robbers crawling over every inch of the wall, and and so it's it's they they could be almost anywhere. People literally believe. I mean, people. Some people say it jokingly, but a lot of people really do believe. If it's on the internet, it's true, and and they go and they'll search, and and it's like, okay, if you really believe that, you can't believe anything because the internet's constantly contradicting itself <laughs> at that point, because you got people battling for both sides, and a person put it there, right? Why do you think that God prefers to lead us uh, rather than drive us to obedience? Because when you look at this and you see how, how he's leading the sheep, he brings the sheep out, and then he goes ahead of the sheep. He's not behind the sheep, pushing him forward. He's ahead of the sheep, and the sheep are following him. Why do you think God chooses that method rather than the driving method? Because I think that's another important thing, because he's, he's talking about sheep. Sheep are herded completely different than like bulls and cows. You know, cows you're going to lead from amongst them, behind them. You're going to be all around them pushing them in a direction but sheep they're just following they'll follow you off a cliff you know <laughs> so i've heard it said before that sheep are are dumb <laughs> and and in some senses that's true because i mean sheep they don't they you can't they can't find the water on their own they can't find their food on their own they that's why they need that shepherd to take them there um and uh, listen to comedian he's like i don't want to be a sheep sheep are dumb why does it have to be a dumb animal? <laughs> but at the same time, we can also see some intelligence of the sheep. Why do you think God would prefer to lead us rather than drive us to obedience? I mean, as God, he can do either one, right? He drove Israel to obedience several times. But with, with the church, uh, when, when Christ gave his life, he, he chooses to go ahead and lead instead of drive us to obedience. And why do you suppose that is? And I think this is very similar to uh, the situation in the garden. You know, God doesn't want drones. He wants you to choose to follow him. He, want, he wants to be loved uh, honestly, you know. So... Um, and that's that's my thought on that. I think he actually wants wants us to make that decision. He doesn't want drones. So moving on to the next portion of this, I'm gonna go seven through twenty one uh, of John chapter ten. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf uh, snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life uh, for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd." For this reason the Father loved me, because I laid down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This uh, commandment I received from my Father. A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? We're bringing in more characters. We have now a idea of Jesus being the gate. He shifts from being the shepherd to being the gate. And um, we also bring in different types of uh, shepherds, like I said, we'd be getting to that, where you've got the good shepherd who actually owns the sheep, and then just a regular shepherd that uh, is a hired hand, and the difference between those two characters that, you know, the shepherd lays down, and and that's him being the gate, you know, and at this point, this is where it's like, okay, we're going to let one sheep in at a time, we're going to examine that sheep, we're going to check for any wounds, we're going to check for anything that's stuck to it, and take care of that, and let it in, and the shepherd is going to decide who goes in and who goes out, right? And so these sheep are ultimately safe. Um, nothing is going to get past the shepherd being the gate. And as the shepherd lays down his life, uh, that's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life. Because, I mean, if you're laying down at that gate, you're you're putting yourself at an advantage here, you know, where someone can come in and attack you and you've got, yeah, you're in a situation. So, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life. That that division that they're having is the, the thing that stuck out to me as well. That they're they're doing their job. They are questioning him. They're being very thorough. And there's a division here, which it's not the first time. I mean, when we look at the story of of Hanukkah and how it came to be, there. Uh, this the rebellion that went against the nation that took over their temple and, and desecrated it. 
Uh, and from that rebellion, we see the Sadducees and Pharisees come into being one, one legalistic group, and one that was a little more, you know, you know, we can. There's other ways to interpret it. Some was like, okay, we're going to buy the book, and the other ones are like, well, there's also, you know, the traditions. You know, there's the book and there's the traditions. We got to bring both, and so you had two different groups happening here, but both groups were determined to determine what was right, and there was there was there was a slight division there. And so we see another division here. When when Christ is talking to these guys, some are like, oh, he's crazy. Listen to him talk. He must be demon-possessed. And then the other hand, the group's like, but we need to consider this. He is healing people and doing things that a demon cannot do. <laughs> you know? And so they are having this sharp division, but at the same time, they're having a conversation. They, as a group are trying to determine if what is being done and said is right. That's important. I mean, if this, if this whole conversation didn't happen, if these kind of divisions didn't happen, then we'd be sitting here with a lot of questions ourselves, you know? And the fact that these divisions and questions arise, we get answers uh, to questions that, you know, we may not have even thought of. Um, and so they're not just rolling over and taking it. They're like, we want to know for sure. You know, so that's what they're doing. They're questioning the daylights out of him, right? Uh, lesson to be learned here, you know, since we are the sheep, we recognize Jesus' voice. That do we recognize Jesus' voice? We got to ask ourselves that. You know, do we? Would we recognize him if he was standing in front of us and talking to us? Um, because a good thief which is not mentioned, you don't even see good thief because there's no such thing, right? But uh, playing the devil's advocate, a good thief uh, would know how to get away with something. Uh, you know, if if someone was trying to fool you into thinking they're your, that they are your father, they're going to do their best to mimic your father's voice, look like your father, walk like your father, and know how your father is, right? They're going to try to do their best to fool you. And so... It's basically a really good con, if you will. And so when we're looking at end times and the Antichrist, that's exactly what's what's going to be going on, is they're going to be trying to mimic exactly who the Christ is supposed to be. Uh, and it even says that if possible, the, the most elite will be fooled. And so it's important to know who the shepherd is and recognize the true shepherd's voice uh, being Jesus Christ. And so we've, we've got to constantly remember that and the good shepherd, uh, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Why is that? It's not simply because he's a good shepherd it's because they have an intimacy. They spend a lot of time together in order for the shepherd to know all these sheep by name. He's got to spend a lot of time with them, right? They have an intimate relationship with that shepherd. Um, and and so now a little self-evaluation, something if you wanted to take notes or, or just think about it. Uh, scale of 1 to 10 um, on a level of intimacy. Uh, when it comes to Jesus and the Father, uh, what is the intimacy level on a scale of 1 to 10? Scale being you know, poor intimacy, 10 being like really good intimacy. Uh, this is not something to answer out loud. This is for you to, you to think about. This is supposed to be pondering questions. I got three of them. And, and so one is the intimacy between Jesus 
and uh, the Father, God. The third one is uh, the intimacy with you and your closest friend. What level of intimacy is there between you and your closest friend? And the third one is your intimacy between you and Jesus. What What is on a scale of one to ten for those three things? That's something to ponder. Um, and I think that's something worth pondering regularly, that third one. You know, where is, where is the intimacy level on a scale of one to ten with me and Jesus? Because it's, it's easy to grow complacent. It's easy to, to just get used to going through the motions. But how well do we actually know our Jesus? How well do we dig in and really know Jesus? If Jesus came and sat at this table and you cracked a joke, would you know whether or not he would laugh at that joke? You know, uh, Would you know how he would respond? Because I know my siblings pretty well. Right. And I know if I do a certain thing, they're going to respond a certain way. And I used to take that to my advantage as a kid. And I got I got a lot of stuff out of it. But anyhow, (laughs) do I know Jesus that well, where if I do a certain thing or say a certain thing, he would respond a certain way if he was sitting at this table. And and it's a hard thing to contemplate because he's not sitting at this table. He's not physically in front of us, but he is always with us. And sometimes there's things I do with the anticipation of, I hope that made Jesus smile, you know, and that's, that's something to think about, that Jesus is always there. And um, it's a relationship that's worth pursuing and, and developing. Yeah, I think it's, it's very beautiful that every time Jesus talks about the relationship between him and us, it's always an intimate situation. Shepherd and sheep, we don't see that as an intimate thing, but such as the story you shared about that man knowing his sheep by name, there's an intimacy there. You, you, They know their sheep. The sheep know them. There's a relationship that developed that is bonding, you know. And the same thing for uh, a husband and a wife when you're talking about a bride and bridegroom. There's an intimacy. There's a bond that, you know, is very strong and very intimate and important. Uh, when you talk about being an adopted child, uh they chose you, you know, that's, uh, I used to say as a youth, like, you know, being an adopted child is something very special because when you're born, you have to be loved, (laughs) you know, they made that decision up front, not knowing what was going to, what you were going to be. But when you're adopted, they hand picked you, you know, and they went through the process and the painstaking process legally to, to claim you as their child. And so that's, there's an intimacy there that that is um, strong. There is that one character I want to talk about that hired hand because um, it's kind of interesting that it's brought up because that that is what shepherds did back in the day. They would hire people to help them out because you know the shepherd can't be there 100 percent of the time. They need to sleep and eat too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they would hire hand and that hired hand wouldn't necessarily be that great. So if a wolf came, they would run because they care about their life more than they care about that sheep. They're there for the money. They're not there for the sheep, you know? Um, so when we look at that character, what would that character represent? Who would the hired hand be today? So corrupt pastors, Bible teachers, scholars, and, and the like. Yeah. 
I totally agree. I mean, there it, it, it's one of those things where there are pastors, they're in it for the money. And the Bible talks about that's not what you should be in it for. That's not, that is, this is a called position. This is a service. This is, you know, what God calls you to. Uh, and if so, that it's necessary, not get paid to do, you know. Uh, and there are plenty of pastors where they're they're leading mega churches and making mega bucks, and you know they're they're teaching that you know if if you have strong enough faith, you'll have a yacht in your front yard tomorrow, kind of deal, and and it's poor doctrine, um, and it is allowing uh, the enemy to come in and take over that fold. Uh, in fact, at that level, you're participating with the wolf. <laughs> You know, um, which essentially when a, sh a shepherd runs away, he is participating with the wolf. It's like, yep, help yourself. It's like, well, you're missing part of the job as a shepherd. You're not just taking him to feed him. You're also supposed to be protecting him. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a weakness uh, in that. And when you got a good pastor, which I feel like we have, um, then you've got someone who's not going to stand down to to a fight. You know, it's, it's, and that's the kind of hired hand that a good shepherd would be looking for is, is a hired hand that will stand his ground. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that the hired hand that, that is being referred to here are people who are not called to be a pastor or a teacher or a Bible teacher of any kind, um, but still fill that role because of the money. Um, versus real pastors, they're not hired hand. Uh, they're there because they love the master, you know. So uh, they are adopted sons. So at this division they had with the Jews, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to try to do something that I find to be very difficult and cl clear your memory a little bit. If if you were there, what side would you say you'd lean on? And I don't, I don't expect physical answers. Something for you to think about. What side would you be on in this uh, division? Would you be on the side where uh, they're crazy, uh, he, he must have a demon, or would be on the side of, you know, demons can't perform these kind of miracles? Um, because that, uh, if you look at what's going on uh, in nowadays when, when there are healings or uh, speaking in tongues or prophecies, those are the very things that go through a lot of Christians' heads, is, is this person... Um, actually demonic, uh, or is this person actually practicing uh, faith? Um, and in which case, a good Christian would then go and do exactly what these guys are doing and form a lot of questions to make sure that everything that is happening is clearly biblical and lines up with what Scripture says. Because if it doesn't line up with Scripture says, then it's definitely not from God, you know. Because that's our measuring line. God gave us a really nice ruler here, <laughs> a cannon, if you will, to uh, measure things to. And it's important that we do that. And that's exactly what these guys are doing and why there's a division is they're like, hey, this is what Scripture says. And, oh, yeah, but <laughs> this is physically impossible. And the other ones are like, that's the point. <laughs> So it, it's interesting. So something to think about. You know, if you were there, what would you have done? Would you have just gone with the flow, or would you be questioning it? Would you be on the side of this seems like a demon, or would you be on the side of demons can't do this?
And one of the comforting things that Jesus states is the comforting words that Jesus provides, that he knows his sheep by name. That's special. You know, the, the fact that uh, as, as a member of his fold, I'm not just a, another hairball walking around out there, you know. I'm, he knows my name, you know, and that's special. That's special. I mean, it, it, when we look at teenagers and the young groups that like to go to concerts, I tell you what, if that lead singer knows you by name, as a teenager, you are excited that they know your name. It's like, oh, he knows me. And I, I, I think that we as Christians, we as uh, God's children should be equally excited. It's not more excited that Jesus knows us by name. And when you really think about how many people are in his fold, that makes you me pretty special because <laughs> that's a lot of names to remember and he finds mine worth knowing worth remembering and on top of that the the fact that you have eternal life you know he knows you by name and he has good intentions for you and including that eternal life and that you will be saved you are saved how has god protected you from destructive forces i'll share mine uh, at one point in time, I was driving on my way home from work, and I got T-boned driver's side. The guy did not slow down at all. I slowed him down. <laughs> uh, he was going over the speed limit, and I was getting off at the fairgrounds, right between Good Sam and the fairgrounds there. And he was going about 40 miles an hour and <laughs> right into my car. I was fine. I didn't have whiplash. I didn't have any broken bones. I stood fine, got out of the car fine. My car spun around several times, went up on the sidewalk. My whole side was like dented in, and I'm still sitting there in my seat, and the guy in the truck's like, you doing okay? I'm like, ready for round two. And I crawled out of the car, and the ambulance got there, and the cop cars got there, and they, looking at the stuff, they're like, hey, was your car, was your seatbelt like this before? I'm like, well, what's it like? And I go to turn my head. They're like, don't look over here. And they're like all holding me and putting a board on me and keeping me stiff. Like, based on this vehicle's condition, we don't want you to move a muscle. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, okay. Uh, and they were cutting the shirt off me to check my vitals. They're like, is it okay to cut my sh your shirt? And I'm like, well, I, I guess. I mean, it's a work shirt anyways, and I work in a shop, so it's oily and holy anyways. And um, and uh, I get to the hospital, and they're checking me out, and they found a little bit of blood in my urine, so they had me come back the next day to test, and the next day the test was clear and fine. I didn't have any bruises. I went to the chiropractor right after that, and he's like, why well, didn't you come to me first? And I'm like, because they didn't let me. <laughs> But I felt fine, and there was no problems, and I got more money uh, for going through that and for my car than I thought my car was even worth, and I was able to get a nicer car out of the deal. So in that situation, I knew God was, was with me. You know, When I called my mom, the first thing I said was, I'm okay, and she's like, that's a good way to start whatever it is you're about to say. <laughs> And, you know, I knew that God was with me because when I looked at my car later on, I'm like, yeah, that, I should have at least had whiplash or something, you know, uh, and I was fine. And and that's totally a God thing. So I, I think that God did uh, save me from a destructive force at that time. Um, 
and there's several other small instances that uh, I could think about, but I'm, you know, when I really, really think about it, I wonder how many there are that I don't know about. <laughs> I'm going to finish reading chapter 10, John chapter 10, 22 to the end of chapter 10, which is verse 42. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. This would be Hanukkah. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And they're tired of the parables. Uh, if you, uh, uh, sorry, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered to him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, then the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the work works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. And he went away again uh, beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing, and he was staying there. And many came to him and were saying, while John performed no sign, Yet everything John said about this man was true. Many believed in him there. So they weren't terribly happy. They're, they're celebrating now what we call Hanukkah. Um, and it's, it's a celebration, right? I mean, Hanukkah, this is, uh, you had a nation that took over, uh, defiled their temple, sacrificed uh, unclean animals to their god, on on that, and so they had to come back out of a rebellion, right? Uh, I think it was called the Maccabean Rebellion. They came in and they took over, cleansed that temple, pulled out that altar that was now desecrated, put a new one in, um, and this is around the time the Pharisees and Sadducees came into order to question whether things were lawful or or right, and and so this idea of someone claiming to be God is kind of a touchy time to be uh, making that claim because they've already fought a false god and got their temple back and now they're 
they're doing this. And what's interesting is this is a time where there's not supposed to be any mourning, no sadness. This is supposed to be a joyful time. Like these are the rules. And these guys are getting ready to stone Jesus on that day. <laughs> they are that angry. Um, they're like, well, we're ready to do this again, you know. Um, and, and Jesus made a statement, you know, after they said, you tell us plainly, stop, stop beating around the bush, stop giving us parables, just straight up tell us, I am the Christ, or I'm not, just say it, <laughs> you know. And he's like, I've already told you, right? He's like, I, I told you, you didn't believe me, uh, and I've explained why. God, the Father, and me, we're, the, we're one. He's in me, I'm in him. You know, I, I lead these sheep, I know them by name. And then he's like, you know, the things that I do, if, if they're not from God, then don't, don't believe me. Don't believe me. But if they are from God, if you don't believe me, at least believe what I've been doing. It's pretty clear. These signs are pretty obvious. I mean, some of them have already made that statement. Demons cannot do what he's doing. You know, he's like, believe that. Right? And, and Jesus basically said, I've proven it to you already. Right? So what has Jesus done that proves to you that he is God? Ponder that one. I don't expect an out loud answer. I want you to think about that yourself. Ponder that yourself. How has God proven himself to you? And that will conclude this lesson.